Welcome back, everybody, who listened to another episode of Drive Into the Basket. I am Mike, your host, coming back at you with another draft profile episode. Uh, geez, I've almost lost track of how many we've done. Uh, anyway, back here with Price once again. Price, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, Mike, it's pretty much just the usual now that we're in this fifth pick. Hell. Yeah. Um, we're just kind of working our way through all of the plethora of options. So, yeah, happy to you know, sit through another one with you. Yeah. Well, I think that unfortunately, I think we're down to, uh, you know, a smaller number of options, which may or may not include Taylor Hendricks who's the guy we're talking about today, but we're going to talk about him anyway. <laughs> so, uh, let's get rolling on Taylor Hendricks or Taylor Hendricks rather, uh, without further ado, uh, six, eight and a quarter in height, wingspan of seven and one half inches, 213 pounds, uh, big hands, much bigger hands than anybody else who's going to get drafted in, in the first round at least, but Leonard Miller. Most likely, anyway. Uh, his stats at UCF, University of Central Florida, 35 minutes per game, about uh, 15 points, seven rebounds, one and a half assists, uh, one and a half blocks, one and a half steals, uh, only two fouls per game, one and a half turnovers, and his splits were 48% from the field, about 39.5% from three, 78% from the free throw line. Averaged about two and a half offensive rebounds per game and a little over three free throws. Uh, pretty middling in the athletic categories of the combine, except for max vertical. Uh, which, uh, excuse me, uh, just standing vertical, uh, which he was quite strong. In terms of his overall shooting stats, 59.5% true shooting, uh, shot profile, attempted 35% of his shots at the rim, shot 66% on those, only about 47% of those were assisted. Two-point jumpers accounted for about 25% of his shots, shot 37% on those, and assisted on about 54%. Uh, and then uh, plurality of his shots, about 40%, came from three-point range. And... As I mentioned, about 40% from three-point range as well in terms of his shooting and assisted on about 85% of those. So, uh, yeah, Taylor Hendricks kind of came out of nowhere. He was not a heralded prospect at all, and now he is virtually certain to be a top-ten pick. So uh, let's head right into it and start, as usual, with his athletic pros. So where would you start, Bryce? Uh, yeah, it's really, for me, it, it really begins and ends with his combination of length at the position um he's a forward mostly and and he is very capable of being shifty while at the same time very bursty as well um good bounce fast quick twitch athlete um long honestly he is a tremendous physical package outside of a relatively slight frame although he does have the makings of probably a guy who can put on another 20, 25 pounds. So he's thin right now, but I would say there's real potential for him to round out physically. Yeah, I think he's he's a pretty darn good athlete. Not really elite in terms of his burst, but he's a good leaper, especially off two feet. He's a very good two feet, two foot leaper, which which really helps in terms of his rebounding, helps in terms of his ability to vertically space the floor. In terms of his ability to contest and block shots, his lateral mobility is quite good. Not in terms of him moving his feet super fast, but he uses his stride length really well to stay with guys. I feel like he is pretty good in the open floor as well. If he has a runway to accelerate, he can really get going. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that he's necessarily the most elite first step athlete, but the speed is real. Um, he definitely moves quite well, and I think he's a overall just a tremendous athletic prospect, and that's a huge reason for his rise up the ranks is that guys who are 6'9", who are this fast, who are this quick twitch, not necessarily the most explosive laterally but he's got a good jump yeah. to him got yeah, a good, got very good jump yeah for sure. sure yeah no problem finishing above the rim either in transition with two feet i i have no problems projecting him in that role either probably a good good cutter too seems pretty active and willing to get get to the rim yeah in that situation as well it has the athleticism to beat guys and yeah it's honestly as i other than the the strength he's got he's got a lot to like yeah definitely his length and his leaping ability you know especially off of two feet and his overall size and instincts make him a good rebounder as well he is an aggressive rebounder uh, he leaps up real high to catch them he wrestles them down pursues them on the floor so a, a fan of that as well and mm-hmm. just the more on the mental side of things, he's, he's got a strong work ethic and really plays to his role and doesn't doesn't force stuff, whether it be, well, on the drive, he forced a little bit, but doesn't force bad mm-hmm. passes, doesn't force a ton of bad shots. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, on the con side, I, I got to disagree with you about the bursty part, at least in, in terms of his ability to get past guys. I feel like the, the first step really isn't all that great. And in the half court, I think when he's attacking the rim, uh, you know, he's got solid balance, but he's not really blowing by guys. So I'd, I'd personally rank that as one of his weaknesses. He's an overall good athlete, but but from on the ball, trying to beat guys with the first step, I feel like he's a little bit weak. I, I don't think he's the best first step athlete by any means, but I would say that this is a guy who's going to spend a lot of time off the ball, and in that regard, I have just zero worries about his athleticism being functional. But you're right, on on the whole... His on-ball lateral ability isn't that great at present. Yeah, that too. Yeah, it's, it's his straight line as well. Uh, though, I mean, if you let him explode through a lane, he's he's going to get there and dunk the ball. Yeah, he yeah. He, he can absolutely do do that. It's if if the lane's there, he he can definitely exploit that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, also, I would say not the fastest. It's not a weakness. It might limit uh, him positionally in terms of his positional versatility. Now he moves around well. You know, his speed is not a weakness per se, but it's kind of a mix of, at least in the half court, pretty good speed and just long stride length and good coordination. But I think he's unlikely to play down to the three very much. I think he's solidly a power forward who can play up the center in some situations. And your average forward these days is a combo forward. Right. And he's going to be able to hang with them athletically without much issue, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, that, that's another thing you can file in the pros category. I, I agree that he's got room to grow in terms of putting on quite a bit of muscle. And if he can manage to do that, I think, you know, he'll be able to to hang, you know, with the average center pretty well. He's strong in the core. He takes bumps well. He's strong yeah. in the legs as well. Yeah, he's just, he's, he's got a frame that lends itself to not being easily moved. So could be a valuable, a valuable guy to throw out in small ball lineups. You can still hold his own defensively. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah sorry. He's 19. He's 19. That's another thing that can't be uh, understated when we talk about certain things in his game. Very young still. 
and I think it, especially at least muscle, if, if there's just the will, you can at least add a little bit of muscle. Yeah. And he, I think there's, there's no lack of will on his part, so he's probably going to be just fine from the strength department in just a few years. Yeah, he's a hard worker. You know, just yeah, seems yeah. like a very strong work ethic. And, and again, tends to stick to what he's good at, which is also a good sign because uh, plenty of guys get into the NBA, and we've seen it. Even in college, plenty of guys in college just want to do more than they're necessarily capable of, and he seems to just stick to his strengths. So uh, let's move on to offense. Yeah. And, you know, you can take the first, and you know, as usual, very most obvious strength that Taylor Hendricks has, which is uh, going to be no surprise to anybody. Yeah, his on-ball create. Sorry. Uh, on-ball creation? Yeah. I don't know about that. No, 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 no. <laughs> no it's, it's his shooting. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Hendricks is a tremendous tremendous catch and shoot shooter and he's got just great and i mean great form pretty much from the feet all the way up through his shoulders solid base very fast mechanics gets set quickly is pretty comfortable grabbing the ball loading and springing up on a dime he's very willing to shoot he knows when to take his shot and not force it that's huge so in large part, I would say this is, this is a guy who has one of the highest floors of a shooter in this entire class, and he's nearly 6'10", with 7-foot-plus wingspan. He's going to be super hard to actually block on the perimeter. That shot is going to get up. It's going to be high. It arcs well. Mm-hmm. Good location. And if you watch like the misses, that's a really big tell is Mm -hmm. how bad are the bad misses some guys they airball that they look like me out there it's jaris walker jaris walker right Um, he airballed a lot of threes yeah uh where did the balls hit uh tends to actually really indicate what's the problem is there not enough power through the legs is there too much movement in the arms how much is being lost in that it really ends up being told more from the misses than from the makes in my opinion, in general, it looks like, Taylor, yeah, yeah. In, in, in general, Taylor seems like he, he has very good foundations with his shooting mechanics. Yeah. His, he, his footwork isn't ideal, but other than that, I mean, you're, you're getting a super, super good shooter. Yeah. He's uh, I, I think he's a natural shooter. The kind of guy you look at and you say this is the this is the kind of guy you want finishing plays. This is the kind of guy you want to get the ball to, and you can really rely on him. I wouldn't call him necessarily, you know, from my side, a sort of like super elite shooter, the guy who's like just otherworldly, like a Clay Thompson sort of guy. But he's definitely, I completely agree with this form. You know, he he's got a high release, good elevation, extremely difficult to block. He shoots it quickly. You know, he can catch the ball and and just. In, in one motion, get it ready to shoot and put up a high percentage shot. He can shoot through contests. He's very confident. Yep. And then this is all stuff that's going to serve him well. Yeah, as, as far as his actual shooting numbers, 41% on catch and shoots, uh, 40% on guarded threes, which is impressive. Yeah. Yeah, 42% on guarded. And he's got some promise in transition, three-point shooting and mm-hmm. pick and pop. He didn't do those really on high volume, but uh, that looks like uh, the skills that he could certainly develop. And he's a smart positioner off the ball. Not just yeah. on cuts and uh, and on lobs, he's just tends to know where to go to get open in the flow of the offense. 
Yeah, and he has a lot of the hallmarks we we like looking at for potential shooters. He's his shot diet is all, uh, over four and a half shots uh, from beyond the arc a game. Made almost two of them for thirty nine percent for just raw shooting numbers. It's that's a really good sample. This isn't a guy who's shooting forty percent on less than two attempts per game, mm-hmm. which shows that his team like isn't isn't trusting him to take those shots, or he's not trusting himself to take those shots. Oh, he's very confident in his shooting. Yep, very oh, yeah. confident, very which natural. is which is great. Very natural. Yeah. Yes, and that's huge. That shooter's mentality where they have to be able to just shoot through bad stretches because sometimes that that happens with just the volatility of the three point shot, and I I think that. That is the most appealing part of his offensive game at present. Is just you're you're getting a guy who's really going to maximize his shooting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's not just shooting through slumps. Uh, he has the confidence to take contested threes, for example, and make them. You know, defenders don't really phase him all yeah. that much. Of course, the defenders in the NBA will be longer. Yeah, and will get in his face more. Yeah, yeah. but it, yeah, but it but it's still a good good skill to have. Yeah, beyond the shooting, I feel like. He still offers quite a bit off the ball, you know, beyond just his vertical spacing, which is very real, mm-hmm. uh, and his cutting, which is helpful if certainly a low-volume uh, source of offense in the NBA. I, I was looking at the stats just to solidify my numbers, I believe it was yesterday, and the best perimeter players, uh, because you can look at cut stats for bigs, but they're catching a lot of lobs, so they're just hanging out in the dunker spot, which barely qualifies right. as a cut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if we're talking perimeter players, the best perimeter players out there uh, averaged about 2.6, I believe, points per game on cuts. And the vast, vast majority of players did not even reach the two-point mark. So low volume, but still a good thing to have. Uh, something I think is underrated is his roll potential. You know, a guy yeah. can set picks, roll hard to the baskets, and, and jump pretty darn high. Yeah, it feels like that was a component of UCF's offense that they didn't really get to unlock with him because he is such a late riser through this process. He and his brother were fairly unheralded prospects. I sh- I probably should mention he has a twin brother. Oh, I didn't Tyler. know that. <laughs> um, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, has a twin brother, Tyler. I don't think he played. Um, but again, late rising prospect here in Taylor Hendricks, and he um, didn't really get into actual sets of offense. Just sort of go out there, shoot threes, catch catch layups or sorry catch lobs excuse me that type of thing whereas as the season goes on you watch footage from later on this is a guy who's actually getting more involved in the offense i think with more strength he could be a really really nasty pick and pop guy yeah that's it's a good set really good screens with his length and potential strength it's gonna gonna be interesting um seeing him in that that role yeah and as a small ball five he's a guy whom I believe could both roll and pop, which is a valuable thing to have. It's a valuable thing to have even if he's playing at the four. It just gives you another option. Like his small ball offense, excuse me, his small ball potential on offense, uh, I feel like is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in terms of obviously he's going to be able to shoot the ball and, and participate and be versatile and pick actions. Uh, you know, when it comes to operating down low, you know, if he gets the ball down low, tends to do pretty well with it. He's good at clearing out space. He does that before he takes a shot, and he goes up hard to dunk it. That includes on putbacks. You know, he's he's a pretty solid offensive rebounder. This is a guy who overall makes expert use of his height, uh, his length, and his, his leaping ability, and, and his strength as well, though, again, he could definitely stand to put on some muscle. 
So it, it's always the positive guys who just know how to maximize what they have physically. No, it, it, agreed. And another thing that I think is important is he's going to be a good rebounder too on yeah. offense. Yeah, and yeah, just like I mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Just he's going to be able to track down balls and generate extra possession. So even if he's not going to be necessarily this big creator, well, if he's grabbing boards and getting extra possessions that can and getting it to you know the lead creator on whatever team he's on then hey that's that's really all you can ask for for a guy in in his type of archetype to to not just be the the singular three and d to be that three plus player who's doing so many other things on the margins that really set up a team for success yeah yeah, when you're talking on the margins, I think it should be a small, uh, excuse me, a solid and willing off-ball screener as well. That's always a good thing to have. Mm-hmm. Certainly a physical player. Huge. Yeah, it does not shy away from contact at all. Uh, should be able to attack closeout to make basic passes. He wasn't so much of a passer at UCF, but I think he's a guy who is going to be conscientious and should be able to make the basic pass. And also fairly safe with the ball. I mean, that it helped that he wasn't handling it very much, but he averaged oh, no. a very, very low turnover tally. And he didn't make bad passes. He didn't force bad passes. Kind of kept within the realm of what he was able to do. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else in terms of pros on offense? No, I I think that is the general story. I guess I, I would say I'm a little more optimistic about some of the on-ball stuff than other people are. What I do think you see? I, it's again we can talk about talk through the cons in a second but i think that there he has better feel than he gets credit for when the ball's on his hands not necessarily to be this great passer or anything but it it feels like he has this developing confidence in his ability to get to the rim and just be bigger more athletic than the guy he's coming up against and obviously that's going to be less true in the NBA, but that sort of mentality I think he was just starting to unlock as he got more involved in UCF scheme. Hmm. And I think that it's not necessarily going to be a skill right away, but if there is the ability for him to be a driver, then that could make him very appealing. Not to say that it's going to happen super quickly or anything, but... I'm optimistic. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Well, let's uh, let's take that and move it on to the cons. Yeah. So, uh, and and the cons, the primary con, you know, the primary downside of Taylor Hendricks is, you know, what is going to be his offensive ceiling. Yep. So at, at this point, I mean, I think you're higher than I am. So we'll put it this way: I mean, some guys get it together, like in in, in terms of handle and whatnot. More guys do not than do. Like at this point. As I see it, he's not much of a creator at all. Poor handle, bad touch in the drive, struggles to get to the rim. Sometimes can this is the only time when he forces some bad shots. Bad touch when he gets there. Like only 51% of the rim in the half courts, and that's in large part because he shot 40% at the rim on layups. So, and his in between game is not really existent either. Uh, he doesn't shoot pull up threes either. Not not many. He just typically stuck to catch and shoots. So it's like what what can he do additionally on the ball that would justify taking him at the fifth pick? Like if the Pistons were at like the ninth pick, I would say this is a no brainer. Take this guy, but we can get to that later. Yeah. yeah, But it's, it's basically, yeah, just this on ball touch, not an explosive driver, just 
yeah, I, I, I just went over to it. I just went over it. Yeah, it's just his creation potential is, in my opinion, pretty low. That's what it looks like at this point. I think that that's totally fair. This is a kid who has, it sounds like, has really only recently sort of begun to discover more aspects of his game. And if this, the, he, is, he doesn't go to the right de- developmental situation to hone those skills, then I think it's pretty possible for him to not ever really get there. He needs a situation where he can really have get some reps just doing simple offensive drives where he gets to the rim, makes a guy miss, because he's athletic enough to be dangerous in that role, improve the handle, just all of the little things that come out of it, because the handle isn't very good right now. No, not at all. And the the footwork isn't very good at getting to the rim at all. I think that's a huge part of it. Um, He definitely loses some positioning battles in that regard. Straight line driver. Yeah, makes shots more tough than, than he needs to. There is a bit of, I think it's, he's a bit right-hand dominant driving mm. to the rim. Without a doubt. And that obviously is a weakness because then they just let you, they take away the right and they force you to go left. And yeah. then the, or they force you to your rights when you're driving just because they yeah. know you're going to throw up a bad floater in that case. Yeah, either or. You're kind of, pick your poison at that point. And yeah. it's just... There are definite weaknesses that might seriously limit his offensive ceiling. Yeah. As a, I, as a Taylor Hendricks truther, that I'm fully aware of that limitation. Yeah. For it, sure. Yeah, it's possible that he could go to the perfect developmental situation and still top off as just a, a fully off ball guy. So yeah. I, I think yeah. maybe the best thing we could reasonably hope for in kind of like a middle ground case would be the movement shooting. Yeah. It, can yeah. his handle just get just better enough? Can his ability to get his feet just better enough to actually be a, a legitimate movement shooter? And then at that point, you, you have a tremendous shooting threat that mm-hmm. would be unbelievably difficult to guard. Yeah, it'd be real difficult to guard for sure. That's one of the actions that and we were talking about this earlier today is impossible to guard in the NBA today. Just because yeah. of the free, just because of the freedom of motion rules. Yes. Yeah. You send yeah. a you send a guy around a screen and give him a handoff, and he shoots a motion three. It's basically impossible to defend against. You know, if, if a guy just yeah dashes just dashing around the perimeter to get there. So yeah, yeah that would definitely be a good aspect to his game. Uh, and I, I don't think it's necessarily as much handle. It's just something that's that some guys just never really become able to do. That's a skill. It's a skill that most guys don't have. For all of you who are watching back in the 2019-2020 season, like Spee McKay looked back then was one of the best shooters in the NBA in terms of just perimeter shooting, off-ball perimeter shooting. And part of that was that he was very dangerous and just catching the ball, turning and shooting right away and doing a good job at it. So it, it, it's definitely, it's a very difficult shot to stop. If you can do it on a high percentage, it's an extremely valuable skill. But uh, yeah, so uh, let's move on to his defense, which is definitely another big selling point. Huge selling point, yep. Yeah, and in this, maybe we can compare a bit to, to, uh, to Jairus Walker, who is just getting yeah. all the hype as the defensive guy. And I feel like Taylor Hendricks is almost as strong as him and everything that Walker is better than Hendricks at and is significantly stronger than him in some categories. So, Agreed. yeah, I'll kick it off. I mean, number one, his instincts are quite good. 
rotates well, repositions well, knows where to go, and rarely makes mistakes. Great shot blocker. Yeah, that too. Tremendous, tremendous shot blocker. Yeah, his uh, his rim protection, you know, both on and off the ball, is very good. Again, this is a guy who expertly uses his physical assets, his leaping ability, his length. You know, he has he has his shot blocking instincts. So uh, whether he's doing it head on, I mean, he's he's a fantastic, you know, off ball. Excuse me, weak side defender. We'll just fly in and get blocks. You know, from the side, from behind, including in transition. Definitely a strong aspect to his game. And just versatility, you know, on ball, switching, off ball. He does all of those well. <clears throat> yeah, I agreed. Taylor, to me, is the is far and away the more intriguing defensive prospect than Jarris Walker. And I know that's a hot take. And I could be completely wrong, et cetera, et cetera. But when I watch Taylor, I just view him as the more switchable player than Jarris Walker. And, oh, without a doubt. And... He provides better length, similar athleticism. Well, better length. I think Jarris is a little bit longer. I think he's seven foot two, but comparable but, length, I would say. Well, the other thing is that Taylor being taller gives him more standing reach. Yeah, he's about an inch and a half taller. Length, yeah. On that length, where that's part of the calculus, right? Where it's like the, because in the NBA, it's a game of inches, and Taylor will be able to affect more shots on perimeter with his length because he is taller yeah and then jarris walker and not to dunk on jarris by any means i i'm very confident in a lot of his defensive potential it's just that you're getting a guy who is even twitchier and even better at reacting on the the ball not necessarily as creatively as walker perhaps walker is a very good basketball mind Hendricks's processing isn't quite to that extent but it's still very good it's still very good the, the you're compa- comparing great with good yeah or very good it's a very slight drop off and you're just getting a guy who I think is the better small ball five option while at the same time providing more versatility in terms of who he can guard not a guy I would want on the perimeter full time, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah. He, he a great weak side rim protector. Yeah, Those I mean, guys I, are always in demand. So I want to go a little bit deeper into the various aspects of his defense because this is a guy who is strong in most ways and does not really have, does not project, in my opinion, to have really any weaknesses in any actions at the NBA level. So. Uh, just talking about his switch defense, which is the area in which I think he is, and you mentioned this, quite a bit stronger than Jairus Walker, yep. who you know his chief calling card is defense, yet he very well may struggle on uh, may struggle at switch defense against guards. And I, I used this analogy, or I used this reference earlier when we were talking. But for those of you who've seen Blue Harvest, which is came out a long time ago, it's the Family Guy parody of uh, of Star Wars: A New Hope, so the first uh, the original Star Wars movie, and you know Stewie as Darth Vader is as in uh, you know that famous scene in the Death Star with the you know I find your lack of faith disturbing, uh, and uh, Ad, you know Mayor Adam West, uh, the the dearly departed Adam West, is is Grand Moff Tarkin and uh, such and such some secondary guy is talking about how the the Death Star is the you know the the primary power in the universe and and Stewie's like oh so no weaknesses right he's like oh not really. He's like, well, well, what is it? He's like, well, there's this little thermal exhaust port, and if you shoot a torpedo down it, 
then <laughs> you know then the station explodes and stewie's like whoa 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 that's a pretty big weakness and to jarris walker it's kind of like okay he's supposed <laughs> to be the super strong defensive prospect but suddenly he, he can't really switch into guards which i think is a bigger deal than it's being made of but when it comes to taylor yes. Hendricks. Yeah, uh, used his stride length and lateral mobility very well and his length to and his instincts to stick with guys to to stay with them while also having very good timing in terms of extending to block shots when they're trying to do it and also finds, excuse me, when they're trying to shoot, also finds a good medium when he's on the perimeter between guarding the shot and still being in position to contest the drive. So I wouldn't call him an elite switch defender, but very much a guy who can hold his own. And... I, what was funny is I actually was watching a lot of Jairus Walker tape on, on the perimeter, and almost all of his highlights were coming against bigger players. Yeah. Because he has very good athleticism and speed against that type of player in the NCA, but the difference is that Hendricks is actually able to keep up with smaller players and actually knows how to guard that type of player much more effectively at this stage. Yep. And really exploits the size mismatch to his advantage because while he does give up speed relative to a shorter player, he does gain back a lot with his length and just makes it very difficult at times for smaller players against him. Now, does he get beat? Yeah. Absolutely. It's not like he's this elite switch defender who can guard one through three and hang out there the whole game, but he can switch. But he holds his own. Yeah. And hold his own. And that's in at the end of shot clock, sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think even in common situations, like this is a guy who you will be able to comfortably switch out under the perimeter. Certainly not a guy who's going to be hunted by any means. Nobody's going to want to hunt. Uh, Taylor Hendricks in the perimeter, like in the postseason or otherwise, is just not a good idea. So, yeah, he's not perfect, but I th- think he's certainly fairly strong, especially for a guy his size. I, I feel obligated to bring this up. I mean, for all that is said about Isaiah Stewart's weaknesses, I mean, the guy, that guy is genuinely an elite switch defender, you know, for a big. He's, he's really something else, his ability to move his feet and, and rotate his body. Uh, but I digress. So, yeah, the, the switch defense is definitely there. I'd say considerably, like, much better. Than, than Jairus Walker, who could be hunted in the postseason. So uh, we already talked about his his weak side defense. Uh, he, posi- he repositions quite well, needless to say. But uh, let's talk about his on-ball defense. Yeah. I feel yeah, I feel like he moves his feet well to stay with guys. And we're not talking switch defense, just guys closer to his size. He's defending more traditionally. He moves his feet well to stay with them, takes bumps, not easily shaken, and stays in contest position. He is excellent at keeping his arms up to contest shots while yes. moving laterally. Yes, I was about to say the the hand and arm positioning is very very good at this level. There's that's a hidden factor to the shot blocking is he doesn't he's not getting a lot of foul calls on his contests. No, not at all. And, yeah, two personal fouls that, per game. Yeah, not bad at all. Yeah, and that is a huge indicator of future success because you can get your arm up all you want, but. In the NBA, if your hands are in the wrong spot or your arms are in the wrong spot, guys are going to exploit the ever-loving crap out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I, I just feel like he's impressive in that respect. He will either prevent a guy from shooting uh, or he'll you know, either alter the shot, prevent him from shooting, or, or quite often get a hand on it, jump if necessary. And, yeah, he, he contests. He goes straight up. You know, he doesn't let his arms come down and hit guys, you know, across the hands and, uh, you know, across the forearms. So, Definitely good in that capacity. 
And uh, I just want to go back to his ability just to rotate. He knows where to go. He knows where to reposition. Uh, this is a guy who is not going to be caught, you know, unawares and end up in the wrong place when there are just a lot of guys switching when he needs to make repeated rotations. He knows where to go. And he knows how to use his length also to disrupt in the interior. Yeah. And then the rim protection, you know, which which I think oh, yeah. could could serve him well, even even as a small ball five. Oh, yeah. the this This is a guy who is bringing a lot of ability to get in front of players, stay stay square, stay disciplined, not give up the easy cont- easy shot without contest. And obviously in the NBA, sometimes a guy is just going to flip it over your head and create a highlight real play. But he's usually well positioned. Yeah. He's usually giving a very good effort and can stay with players who are sometimes far stronger physically than he is. Mm-hmm. And as you, you said several times, takes contact very well. This isn't a guy who gets bumped easily and gets can actually hang in there. Yeah, for this sure. Is, this, there's so, so much to like about his defense. And that's kind of what really sold me on him. The shooting obviously was what got me interested, but it was actually... This is a very complete defender, defensive mm-hmm. prospect, at least at this stage. Obviously, who knows what happens given however many years in the NBA. But at this point, this is a very, very good defensive prospect. Not an all-time great defensive prospect or anything. This isn't Jaron Jackson. No. But this is a guy with a really, really, really high floor on defense. And yeah. no weaknesses. Gonna, yeah, And it's just going to be useful for any team. Yeah, useful in any situation. And I just want to briefly revisit his rim protection. This is a guy who might be good really at all three forms of rim protection, whether it's help rim protection, you know, repositioning to contest a guy head on, more traditional rim protection when he's just the primary rim protector, uh, Mm -hmm. potentially when he's playing center. And also, of course, the the weak side coming out, you know, just coming out of of the blue to block a shot. But yeah, I I agree. Just very versatile. I, I think he's one of these guys who will just be a strong defender without making all defensive teams. I don't necessarily think he'll be elite, but very complete, which is which is very very valuable. So yeah, but just he might yeah. get enough blocks. He might get enough blocks to, That's to get get into an all NBA defensive con- conversation. Yeah, it, it's possible. I, I think he'll hover on the fringes, like maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that he's going to be quite that far up there, but no, you don't you don't have to be an elite defender to be a strong defender. So, no, no, yeah, very so, true. Yeah, so I mean, only ten guys. Make yes. uh, make all defense every year. So, and there there are far more than ten strong defenders in the NBA. So, uh, when, so, yeah. When it comes to to cons, again, positionally restricted, he's not a guy you really want guarding threes. I think full time. He's more of a dedicated four, which is definitely not a four point five like Walker, which is another I think defensive weakness of his. Uh, and just needs to put on a bit of weight at this point to to, to hang with some of the stronger guys in the NBA. I can't think of anything beyond that. Yeah, and and even then, no one. No one's keeping up physically with Embiid or Jokic. It's just, <laughs> at least in the strength department. But I know what you mean. You, you gotta, you gotta at least not look laughable out there. I don't think he's laughable at this point. I mean, he's no. he's definitely pretty slim, but I think just filling out a bit gives him a greater ability to bang with the average center and also to take a bump from the larger guys in the league and not get knocked out of position, which will be harder at the NBA level. So. Yeah, and but like you said, I agree. He has space to fill out. He's not a naturally lanky player. He's just, oh, yeah. uh, I would say, more physically immature at this point. Yeah. So, and 
Yeah. He's, he's a pretty young player for this class, so that that at the very least we know is going to change. Yeah, definitely could. And uh, like some of the things we're saying about him, I, I didn't bring this up when it came to handle. I mean, it being, I mean, he's about nine to be about 19 and a half on draft nights. And that's different from say, like, like you and I, uh, you, you know, you were, you were guesting on the Keegan Murray episode last, last summer. And yes. yeah, with Keegan, it's like a guy when he's 21 and actually we'll, we'll leave this to the, uh, you know, to the floor ceiling section, which is coming up soon. Let's talk fit, which is the interesting thing. Because I feel like, in my opinion, I don't know if I've stated this before in a recent episode, but it's like, you know, once you have more of your core, BPA can change. Like the Pistons desperately, and, and you know, and some, some guys are more valuable to specific teams than others. And the Pistons, of course, desperately need defense in the front, you know, defense, forward defense, put it that way, uh, and high-level shooting. So he's a guy who could provide a lot of value to this team in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, I'm sky high on taylor Hendricks's fit and i know he's another four i know he's another big into the mix but i don't care. i said this earlier today <laughs> he fits with the two youngest slash most probable long-term pieces on the defensive front court with not defensive front court just the front court in general mm-hmm. with um, jalen duran and isaiah stewart yeah they Great fit with both they both need a guy who can help them on that weak side, who can help them cover up for just things in general. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. For Duran, I mean, Duran, say pretty much unequivocally, is the more complete defender uh, as opposed yeah. to Isaiah Stewart, just because Isaiah is both undersized and a poor leaper. But uh, Taylor Hendricks is going to help out any center, you know, and, and he's going to fit well next to Duran on offense, Duran being a traditional center. You want a guy. When you're playing with a traditional center, you don't want another interior-focused player. And Hendricks can operate quite well on the perimeter to just finish plays next to Caden Ivey. On defense with Isaiah Stewart, Isaiah benefits a great deal from having a weak side rim protector who can kind of help when he's not able to reposition in time. So, and yeah, and then potentially a guy, you know, when Isaiah Stewart is in the floor, you can run a, you know, a five, just a a full spread offense. and, And Hendricks can actually be the role man a little bit as well. Yeah. Exactly. That's the thing that that really intrigues me is while Jairus's walk, sorry, Jairus Walker's multi-positional flexibility is talked about a lot. This is a guy who you know he can fit in tons of different schemes and lineups and let his handle and IQ take over. On the other hand, Taylor Hendricks actually presents for me even more scheme diversity with the Pistons because he can be both the small ball five he can play the four next to the other bigs and he can stretch the floor for the hopeful tandem of Cade cunningham and jaylen ivy jaden ivy yeah jaylen <laughs> too, too many jaylens and jadens around <laughs> yeah easy to mix up <laughs> sorry my bad my bad yeah um <laughs> yeah uh i think it was uh um who was it, it was uh the coach yeah i don't know what you're talking about uh no the 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 intro press conference it was the coach oh casey um, casey yeah casey was joking oh, that guy. about <laughs> coming up with the you forget so name. quickly he's only been around <laughs> for five years i know i know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so anyway. he mixed up the names yeah 
So I, I, yeah, I, I completely agree with the fit. I completely agree that he's got more versatility than Jarris Walker and just a much better fit overall. I mean, do you really want to put Jarris Walker on the floor with Caden Ivey with, you know, just his uncertain shooting? That's not an issue for Taylor Hendricks. Uh, like Jarris is going to do well, I would say, next to Isaiah Stewart in terms of weak side rim protection, but next to Jalen Duran again, not ideal at all on offense. And so, yeah, just the fit all around, I would say, is very good. You know, he's not giving you that extra creator, of course, but, you know, the fit the fit is very good, which I which I think really enhances. He, he ticks a lot of boxes for the Pistons. Yeah. And I think he'd be a good guy to just help sort of steady things for Kate Cunningham and, and Ivy because what does he do? He stretches the floor. He covers up weaknesses and deficiencies on defense really well, mm-hmm. and that can take off a lot of pressure be like, I don't have to make this shot all the time. I have a good guy to dump an outlet to. Mm-hmm. Yes, we have Bojan at present. Who knows if we keep him after the draft? But the idea is that what if you have both? What if you have two plus shooters next to your guards? Mm-hmm. Whoa, what a concept. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be nice. Yeah. 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 So definitely a guy will help out Caden Ivey. A guy will help out Duran. A guy will help out Stewart. And, uh, you know. Poor Marvin Bagley is not going to find minutes anywhere, but I don't really care. Marvin who? Yeah, exactly. So uh, let's talk floor. And I think this is definitely an, an intriguing part. I mean, uh, yeah. It, for a, And if any of the guys whom the Pistons could take, I'd say without hesitation, well, any of the guys from the Pistons would be likely to take. Be, yeah. I don't think Amen will be there. So uh, that would be Whitmore, Hassar, and Jarris Walker. Uh, and, you know, if we want Pendricks in that group, I'd say he's unequivocally at the highest floor. Big, strong, long, versatile defender without any real holes and a strong shooter. Will always have a place in the NBA. Everybody wants this kind of player. Yeah, you're you're getting a guy who's at worst going to be a long-term fifth starter for teams for as many years as he's healthy. Yeah, big minute playoff guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is the, this is a guy who fits into any playoff line, lineup per, almost out of the gate. I would yeah. be confident in saying. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The ceiling, of course, is the question. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's like some guys get it together. Some guys, I feel like if you take him at five, you have to be confident that he's going to be one of the guys who do vastly exceeds his projection as a creator. And some guys do it. The trouble is that, you know, for every guy who does it, you got another five who don't. You know, it's, it's that there's always the can and then there's the likelihood of it happening. Which yeah. I don't think is, which, uh, you know, I, I think you're a little bit higher on than I am. Yeah. So I don't want to say that he's going to turn into like the modern day version of Paul George with the <laughs> development of his handle or things like that. But it's if he can get it together enough, I, I saw just this rising confidence in his ability to put the ball on the deck and just attempt to make something happen, even if it didn't look very good. There seemed more intentions more self-confidence that he can do this kind of like a guy like isaiah stewart we watched sort of learn to grow as a shooter and be more confident in doing that and adding that to his game in a real way i i felt like we saw just a kernel of that and that's why i feel very confident taking him at five huh yeah i think i'm not sure if i saw it the same thing but the like let's say it's there. Uh, that's the, the issue is that defenses are about to get ten times more difficult to yes, beat. That's true. Gets into the NBA, 
But to expand on what I was saying before, before I cut myself off and decided to put another section, I do have more confidence than I would in, say, Keegan Murray, who was two years older than Taylor Hendricks when he came into the draft and still was basically, did not have the handle or the burst, but certainly not the handle to be bad NCAA, yeah. to bad NCAA defenders off the dribble. You know, he was he was a guy who, who just did most of his creation by bullying bad, weak NCAA defenders down low with offense that would never transfer to the NBA. So I, I feel better about it than that. But yeah, that's that's just the question. Are you willing to take this kind of guy at number five? Or you or do you want to gamble on a guy who has more probable upside? You know, this player who would fit super well with the Pistons, but your question is upside. Do you want to take a three and D guy who may never be a creator at number five? That's the question. And I think that's what'll keep him ultimately out of consideration for the Pistons if they stay at five. Right. And the problem is is that the more likely trade down candidates who have extra second round picks are gonna be after teams like Indiana, who the fit with Taylor Hendricks is just so tremendous. Too good. That that it's hard imagining him being there at nine or being there at 12. It's just that that type of player is so in demand and he's so young that you'll have him for a long time. And if there is anything there, you'll have a lot of room, a lot of time for him to grow. It's weird it's the I, I agree it's this weird situation where he might not be worth a top five pick but you're not going to get him anywhere else yeah and for the pistons, pistons. Yeah. yeah yeah if you're the yeah. pistons yeah i don't see him falling past indiana unless it's like maybe asara is there and they just be really good about him yeah but i think he'd just be too good of a fit there next to miles turner and next to tyrese halliburton i mean that would be an absolutely horrifying power forward center combo to go up against and miles and then you have Tyrese Hall- Halliburton to, you know, pass them open. Okay, yeah, good luck. Yeah, and so you can play easily a, a spread-out offense if you want to. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, because because Miles Turner can shoot. Miles Turner, he really did not like playing offense next to Sabonis because he was basically just relegated to perimeter shooter. He really proved he could be a lot more this season, yeah. you know, when he was out from under Sabonis' shadow. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think the Magic would really have much interest with Boncaro and with then with uh Franz Wagner really being their forward combo, forward duo of the future, like unequivocally speaking. But, and I don't think Washington would be that interested either. So let's say the Pacers have somebody who interests them more, like, uh, you know, maybe a star drops, and maybe he gets to number nine. There is not the faintest chance that he would ever get past number 10. You know, that's uh, even, no. you know, even oh even God. number nine. I mean, uh, if I were the Jazz, I would really consider taking him, putting that, putting him next to Markin, and it just gives you a lot of spacing punch at the four stronger defense yeah. and the Mavericks this would be their dream match if Hendricks fell to them this would oh leave them gosh. absolutely ecstatic but it's never going to happen yeah no no this would be almost the ideal archetype of player for them to trade the number 10 pick for mm-hmm. so if he's just there at 10 anyways why even trade the pick yeah just you know that that would work out tremendously in their favor and yeah i, I it's very very tough to imagine him falling outside the top 10 whereas it's a little much to to expect him to be like a top five pick with yeah. the lack of creation and lack of sort of being a real difference maker in the scoring department outside of his shooting but hey we saw keegan murray go number four last year so i wouldn't entirely rule rule out hendrix at five either yeah i'd, I'd give it like an eight percent chance of happening. This is the this is a, it's a completely arbitrary figure. It's not like I'm calculating this in my head. I'm just going no. by what my instinct says. Yeah. Like I would 
give some consideration to taking him at number five. I don't think the Pistons will give strong consideration to taking him at number five. Do you? No, I think that the tantalizing upside, so to speak, of, you know, what if Walker puts it together? Or what if one of the Thompson twins shot actually arrives in a real way? What if Whitmore develops better offensive acumen and isn't in a complete black hole? That type of thing, I think, is the more likely bet. Also, these guys, all four of them are great athletes as well. Not that Hendricks isn't, but that all four of them also have a really high athletic f- floor mm-hmm. to their games that I, I really think that those are the guys who are going to be more in consideration at five. And probably Amen is going to be the guy at four for Houston if it goes chalk. Um, so yeah, I I just don't think that we take him at five. We would have to find that trade back. Yeah, and you wouldn't want to trade back further than seven. <laughs> no, so you'd want to yeah. trade back with Indiana for Indiana, yeah. hopefully to grab somebody else over Atlanta, over Orlando, exactly Orlando in that case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, well, I think we're reaching about the end here. Uh, any closing thoughts? I mean, again, I'm a huge fan. I would take him at five. I know that's probably not how it's going to go, but this is a guy who, who whichever team does end up with, is going to be really, really happy. Yeah, I agree. It has all the all the makings of a guy whom, assuming good health, is going to stay in the NBA for a long time and be effective. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, all right, folks, that'll be it for this episode. Uh, I haven't decided what's going to be next week. Uh, I was thinking Anthony Black, but I think the chances of the Pistons actually drafting him are quite low unless they trade down, and even if they trade down, because uh, it really looks like the Pistons are going to be looking for you know for help at forward, uh, stronger, more I don't know, more athletic guy. I think uh, whatever. Don't need to get into into um, into a profile on him right now. May revisit a star. Mm-hmm. We went over this uh, in, yeah. in the first draft episode, and we're pretty hard on the guy. And I would continue to be hard on the guy, but he's looking like a likelier pick for the Pistons. I would put probably say he's the second likeliest to be drafted by the Pistons after Whitmore. What do you think? Yeah, I'm kind of feeling that way too, given that we don't know exactly what Houston is going to do and with the men. And even then, it feels almost like Asar might fit fit us a little bit better than Amen does. So in that case, yeah, I would say... with the work ethic and all of the other pros we hear about the Thompson twins character, maybe Asar is the, is the second choice or likely second choice. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? So uh, in any case, well, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know why I even said that. Yeah. I I think that it goes Whitmore and, uh, and and then Asar at this point, that would be my guess just based on, you know, what would best suit the Pistons needs in terms of both upside and well, with, with the SAR, it's not really a floor because floor would look pretty ugly. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. In any case, uh, as always, folks, thank you for listening. Uh, Price, thank you uh, once again for guesting. For sure. Yeah. And uh, whatever the next episode is, uh, I will catch you then. <laughs> <laughs>